many of you can say that you've heard the voice of God? How many of you can say that you've been in circumstances and situations where you know that you know that you know that God was in that particular moment or that particular circumstance or that particular thing? Amen? Yes, God shouts. Yes, God whispers. Yes, God, his word says, while we were yet sinners, man, when you think about that, he still saved us. But that wasn't something that he did way back then. It's something that he continues to do in our lives every single day. We're going to take a quick break from Pastor Mike's series, and we're going to talk a little bit about being untouchable, or rather being touchable. What is it? See, from our perspective, we think that we're so lowly that when we try and reach out to God, when we're in that circumstance, we're in that situation, we're in that grief, we're in that shame, we're in that guilt, we're in that anxiety, it's like, God, he doesn't know what's going on, he can't hear me, he can't see me, he can't touch me, I'm too far gone, this is too bad, I am just mortal man, I am just this, I am just that, but God is touchable. And it's not so much that he's touchable, the question is, are you touchable by God? Because we see ourselves from a totally different perspective than how God sees us. Touch. Touch screens, touch pads. Everything's touch nowadays. We went through the pandemic and we couldn't touch. We go in the car with the kids and mommy's touching me. Everything's about touch. But the thing is, is, when you are in a relationship, touch is so important. I remember when my husband and I were, were dating. He loved Sunday mornings here. Because on Sunday mornings, they used to say, take the hand of the person next to you and reach across the aisle. And he's like, oh, great, I get to hold her hand. How many of you have ever been like that, where you're in a relationship and you're like, you know, when do you touch, when do you not touch? God wants to touch you each and every day, you're touchable. Regardless of what you're going through, you're touchable. But we don't think that, but we've got to learn to comprehend the love that God has for us through scriptures, through believing, through encouraging things. Because in times of doubt, in times of difficulty, and in times of trials, our fundamental belief about God and our faith get challenged. And we, we say things like, well, when it rains, and you hope for the best, but you prepare for? Why do we know stuff like that? Why do we say things like that? See, these catchy quotes, they're easy for us to repeat because we've heard them before, which is one thing, but the worst part of it is we believe it. But there's something good and new that we can believe. It's necessary to hear and experience the reality and the scripturally inspired word of God that develops our faith and develops our strength and in difficult situations. So here's the good news. It's not so much when it rains, it pours. The good news is God is good. There we go, amen? God is good. All the time and all the time. That's what we need to be repeating rather than, well, you hope for the best and see what happens. God is good. Amen. And all the time. And there's one reason for that. Because God is with you. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight with being touchable. God is with you. Can you say that with me? 
Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, God is with you. You see, when God is with us, he divinely intervenes in those circumstances and those situations that are uncomfortable. We can trust God's plan when life seems to be out of our control, and we can trust God's plan when it seems like it's out of his control. We get in situations where we think, God can't even handle this. It's like, really? There is nothing beyond God's control. There's nothing beyond he cannot touch. There's nothing we can do where he cannot reach us. Because sometimes it does seem like prayers go unanswered. Sometimes it just seems like they're just not even heard. But God is good. Amen. And God is with you. So man is not so lowly that he cannot have prayers that God won't hear. And man is not so lowly that he cannot pray prayers that keep us in a perilous situation that God cannot and will not get us out of. And so we were singing a few minutes ago about do what you're famous for. What you're famous for. The things that God is famous for are things that are not so comfortable for us. When we get into circumstances and situations, the first thing we do is, oh God, oh God. If you've got your Bibles with you, will you turn in your Bibles to the Isaiah chapter 43? I know that we've asked you the last few weeks to bring your Bibles, and some of us brought them for the first week. Hey, I got my Bible, yay! And then we've kind of forgotten them because we have it on the phone, and we don't have to pick them up as much anymore. But if you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Because when you're going through all these things that you go through in life that are uncomfortable, and you see things happen to other people that are uncomfortable, we tend to think that God can't hear. We tend to think that God doesn't care. We tend to think that we're not touchable by God. But Isaiah 43, verse 1 through 3, this is what the Lord says. The Lord who created you, who formed you, he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by name. And the hook on that is that after that, he says, you're mine. He has created you. He has formed you. He has redeemed you. He's called you by name. Do you remember those days? The Bible says that our names are graven, uh, graven, engraved on his hand. Remember that day, those days? Probably more so for the ladies and for the men. When you were probably in maybe junior high, and that guy was cute, that boy was cute, and you wrote his name on your hand, and then you wrote Mrs. Whatever on the back of your hand of his last name. How old were you when you did that? Tell me, how old were you when you did that? 13. Yeah, we do stuff like that. Did any of you guys do that? Probably not. It's like... God says, I have created you. That's one thing. Okay. But then after he created you, he formed you. And then he found out, he says, fear not, because I've redeemed you. And I called you by name. And then he said, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you're mine. You belong to the Lord. You belong to the Lord. He will take care of you. He will hear your prayers. He will hear you when you call. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. 
And when you walk through the fire, they shall not, you shall not be burned, nor shall, your, shall the flame scorch you. He says, for I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. He says, I'm your Savior. He's your Savior. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. Through the rivers, through the fire, all these things that are perilous to us. You know, there's some things that we'll do anything with a friend. We'll do anything for them. We'll do anything with them. But there's always that line where it's like, yeah, maybe not that. That's not how God is. He names out these perilous things, and he says, I'm right there with you. You're not alone. I'm with you. He says, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. For if God is with us, who can be against us? These are the things that we need to be quoting and saying to each other rather than when it rains, it pours. We need to know scripture. We need to speak forth scripture. We need to speak it out in the heavenly realm. We need to speak that encouragement to our circumstances. We need to speak that encouragement to our friends when they're in situations. We need to speak that encouragement to anyone and anybody who's willing to hear the word of God because there is nothing wrong with the word of God except for the fact that it will influence your life for you to have a better life for you to have an eternal life eventually with Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So you see, the, the divine interventions that God has, God is devoted to his people. Can you say this with me? Divine devotion. Divine devotion is what God has for each and every one of you, individually. Corporately, we are his family, but individually, we are his children. I am his daughter. You are his son. Whoever you are, you have an individual preferential place in the kingdom of God as God's child. The Bible says we are knit together, and he knew us before we were born. There's no chance that you cannot, and you will not, and you are not loved by God. Because God is hopelessly devoted to you. It wasn't Olivia John who first talked about being hopelessly devoted. It was God. He said, I am hopelessly devoted to you. He says that in Jeremiah 31.3. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. We say we're kind. But there's always circumstances to our kindness. There's always a limit there's always a situation where maybe we're not so kind or maybe, well, if you do that, there's no way. But God said, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I am divinely devoted to you. And I have loved you with a love that is just everlasting. It outlasts our sin. God's love will outlast our sin. God's love will outlast us turning our back on him and going back into the world. God's love will outlast everything that you've done wrong, every thought that you have about yourself, every thought you've had about him that wasn't so great before you knew him. He is hopelessly devoted to you, and his divine interventions and his divine devotion will keep you. And this comforting confirmation that God is with us doesn't always seem real when we're in hard times, right? It takes comprehension of his love and his ways to hold on to our faith because the Bible says his ways are not like our ways and his thoughts are not like our thoughts. 
In fact, his ways and his thoughts are higher than ours, which is why we think we're not touchable because his ways and his thoughts are so high, we think that when he looks down, it's like we, can't, we don't even look like an ant. Now, what do we do when we see ants? Going about our business. I'm like, yeah, just an ant. That's not how God sees us. When we are assailed by trials, we need perspective for our minds and we need relief for our hearts. His devotion is progressing every day. Even today, you are a work in progress. You tell somebody, you're a work, you're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress every day. But when we learn these things and we find these things out, this is how it affects us. It affects us in the manner in which we learn to upgrade our confidence. You can upgrade your confidence by believing, trusting, and understanding what God has for you. Upgrade your confidence. The Bible says being confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. He is a good God, and he is a faithful God, and he will complete his work in each and every one of you. Yeah, you're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. But we're not responsible for completing the work because we didn't start the work. Remember, he created us, and then he formed us, and then he redeemed us, and we are his. He is responsible for getting us to where we need to be. And where do we need to be? We need to be in heaven. We need to be with Jesus. We need to be with the Lord. We need to have eternal life. And so no matter what we're doing, that's what we need. We need eternal life with Jesus Christ. I need eternal life with Jesus Christ. And when I realize that, it upgrades my confidence because God has a vested interest in each and, one of, each and every one of us. See, we don't get to choose our trials because believe me, the trials we choose, it's like the man who said, you know what, I, I don't like this cross, Lord, that you gave me. I want a different cross. And God said, okay, well, you know, go in the closet. There's plenty of crosses in there. Find a cross that you like to bear. So he goes in the closet and he gets this cross and he starts doing his life with this cross. He's like, you know, this cross is kind of little. I, I can do more than this with my life. So he says, Lord, I don't like this cross either. And the Lord says, okay, go back in the closet and get a different cross. So he goes and he gets this huge cross and he's dragging this cross. He's like, oh, this is too much for me, Lord. I need another cross. And he says, okay, you know where the closet is. Go get yourself a cross. So he goes and he gets a cross and he comes back out and he says, you know what? This one fits. He said, that's the same cross you went with the very first time. <laughs> Everything that you're going through right now is not a surprise to God. It might be what you feel like is unbearable to you, but it is God's plan that you get to the kingdom of heaven through eternal life with Jesus Christ, and it will come by way of bearing your own cross, the cross that he has assigned for you, because he is not going to allow you to be in a circumstance or situation that you cannot handle and that he cannot and will not handle for you and with you. Amen? Because we know that all things work together for good. Yes. All things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. And so we need to know that God is determined to keep you by directing your path. There is purpose in every experience that we have. Okay, divine devotion was one thing. Divine direction is another. 
He said he will give you divine direction. Divine direction. Divine direction through what? When you pass through the waters, he said, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. That's a direction that he's taking you through. Let Jesus lead your way without complaint. I'm not good at that. I'll let him lead, but I do a lot of talking along the way. But that's okay. He can deal with your complaining and your talking. It's just best if you don't because you'll enjoy the journey a whole lot more. Take the road that he leads you on because God's purpose and plan for you cannot be thwarted. If he's got a purpose and a plan for you, and he does, no matter what you do, his plan and his purpose is not going to be thwarted. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. That's the good news. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. No matter what you're going through right now, you're going to make it. Do you know why you're going to make it? Because he is directing your path. And his plan, his plan, his plan, his plan, his plan. I have my own. A lot of times they're not in line. I think my plans are a little bit better sometimes. Things in my life, black pages in my coloring book, I wouldn't have colored. But his plan, his plan is for you. See, his plan is not for him. The Bible says, he says, I know the plans I have. But he doesn't stop there. What's the rest of it? For you. Thank you. I know the plans I have for you. He's got a plan for your life. You don't have to be concerned about the things that we get all caught up in, because we get concerned about all kinds of things. And most of the things that we get caught up in that we get concerned about is what somebody else is doing. It's usually somebody else's business that doesn't jive with the how we think they should be living their life because it's interfering with what we think we want to do and how we think they need to be living. And God's just like, look, I got them. Right now, let's talk about you. It's like, well, Lord, I'm okay. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. See, Moses led the Israelites through dry ground. There was a wall of water. They needed to get out of Egypt. And there was only one way out. <laughs> the Red Sea. How are we going to get across that? There's no way. God loves no way. That's his favorite two words. Lord, no way. He's like, whoo, I love this. No way. When you can say no way to God, you need to look up and look out because he's about to get you through it, right? <laughs> say no way. That's God's way. Amen. It is God's way. You see, we've got to get out of Egypt. They were in Egypt. And Moses led them through. And God saved them from the hands of the Israelites. But see, all the time that they were trying to get out, Moses kept going and saying, let my people go. And then, yeah, we'll do it this way. And then the next day, that didn't happen. And let my people go. And, yeah, and, and it, just, it just wasn't happening. And he kept going and going. And we have these prayers that we keep asking God for and asking God for. And we're supposed to believe that God hears our prayers. And we ask and nothing happened. And we ask and it looks like, ooh, that nah, nah, just still didn't happen. And, and we go again and we go again. And that's what Moses kept going. I got to get my people free. Let my people free. And God kept saying, 
yeah, I'll let him go. Well, no, then that didn't work. And Pharaoh kept saying no. He's like, well, I'm going to change it harder, Pharaoh. But then Pharaoh's heart didn't change. He's like, well, who's in charge, God? How are we going to get through? There's nothing we could do. The Red Sea is there. We've got to get out of Egypt. You might need to get out of Egypt. But what happened with all of that time that they couldn't get out of Egypt? There were two things happening. One thing that was happening was they were having to make more bricks. They were having to make more trips and make more bricks. And you're like, how in the world is this helping the situation? We're still working here. Free labor, hard labor, tough labor, hot sun labor, making bricks with our hands for years. God, when are you going to let us go? Two things were going on. They were developing muscles so that when they did get set free, they had the endurance and the capability to sustain the journey. So I'm going to tell you something. If God hasn't answered your prayer yet, you're developing muscles for the sustained ability to take on the journey and get all the way through. You need to get all the way through. But then the other thing that started happening was <clears throat> they were kind of getting comfortable with Egypt. It's like, yeah, maybe it's not so bad. Ladies, if you're in a relationship where you're being abused and it's just been going on and on and you've prayed and you've made some steps and, oh, he said he's going to change and, well, I tried this and, eh, he's not so bad. He is so bad. That's your Egypt. You need to get out. Come on now. But how? But how? You see, when you need to get out of Egypt, you have to get out of Egypt. And Moses needed to lead these people out. And he had a dilemma. He had the people talking on his back, saying, yeah, yeah, you've been saying this for years. Nothing's happened. Why are you in control anyway? And he had his own mind in his own head saying, I, I can't leave these people. God's not doing anything. He keeps saying he's going to and nothing happens. I can't see beyond the Red Sea. And there is... No way I'm going to get past this. And then one night, the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. And all that night, he made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on wet ground. Damp ground. Semi-wet ground. You know the word of God. On dry ground. God could have made it just wet. God could have made it semi-wet. God could have made it damp. They crossed the Red Sea on All that night, 
That's where the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You need to get out of your Egypt. You have got to get to the other side. God will bring you to the other side because he knows it is not safe where you are right now. So don't be afraid midway through it. He started your journey, and he will provide divine direction to get you through it. He is God, and he can do it. He can do it, no matter what it is. Our mind wouldn't have thought of that, but he can do it. He can do it, no matter what your situation is. He can do it, no matter what your situation is. He can do it, no matter what your situation is. He can do it, and it's not so much that he can do it, because we always talk about what God can do. Will he do it for me? Will he do it for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not he can do it. He will do it. And he will do it again and again and again. We get tired of coming to God saying, Lord, I'm sorry I did it again. I thought I could handle this, and I said I'd never do this again, and then I did it again, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to even talk to God anymore. He won't even, how could he even listen to me? Because I wouldn't listen to me if I did it this many times, and I kept blowing, and I kept falling, and I kept this. God's just like, will you stop? I can do it. You're like, yeah, I know because you've done it before. He's like, okay, but I will do it. And I will do it, and I will do it, and I will do it, because I will do anything and everything I can to get you to the other side. And the ground's not going to be wet. The ground's going to be dry, because you need to learn to trust me and understand my abilities and what I can and what I will do for you. Hard times are reminders of God's faithfulness. And even midway through the journey, you've got to know that's what happened with Joshua. He was midway through the river, through the Jordan River, and the Lord told him, I want you to take some rocks from the middle of the river, and on the other side, I want you to pile these rocks up as your remembrance of what I did for you. So in the middle of the Jordan River, Joshua, big boulders, not pebbles, not rocks that you skip in the river. He got 12 huge boulders, stacked them up and piled them up and said, when we got to the other side, these are our rocks of remembrance of what God has brought us through. We pulled these rocks out of the middle of the river so no one can say, and when they say, where did these rocks come from? They came from the middle of the Jordan. The middle of the Jordan? How did you get those out of the middle of the Jordan? Because God, once again, dry land. He said, get these rocks out of the middle of Jordan, and you pile them up on the other side for you to remember where I brought you through and what I've done. And so what does that mean to you? That means that when you're in the middle of something, when you get to the other side, you pile up the rocks in your mind, the boulders, saying, God got me through divorce, and God got me through finances, and God got me through drugs, and God got me through jail, and God got me through anger, and God got me through bitterness, and God got me through drugs, and God got me through, no matter, you name it. I'm trying to just think of things that people would have to name your rock. I got a rock. My rock has a name. Guess what my rock's name is? 
Amen. My rock's name is Jesus because instead of naming a rock after situations and circumstances, I want everyone to know that in the middle of whatever my life has brought me through, in the middle of it all, I picked up a rock, and that rock, Jesus, got me to the other side. And every time I'm in a situation, I look at my rock and I say, thank you, Jesus. You have a rock. You have a rock. Whatever your rock is, you need to know that when you walk through the fire, it shall not burn you, nor shall it scorch you. As bright as a fire is, ironically, fire is bright, but it's dark, and it's consuming flame. The fire is hot. The flames are active. We like it when it's hot, but it can be uncomfortable. There's a use and necessity for, for fire. It warms. It sustains. With fire, we cook. It kills germs. It purifies, it provides ambiance. Fire has a place. Think about it. Fire has a place. It has a place in our lives. And in situations that are overwhelming to the point where we don't have any control, we try and get things done out of our own way, we need to learn not to lean to our own understanding. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And when we realize that, it lifts up our countenance. Sit up, straight, everybody. Readjust yourself. Lifts up your countenance. In fact, everybody stand for a quick minute. Just stand right where you are. Just stand. Just lift up your countenance. Because God is good. And all the time, and no matter what we're going through, God is going to see us through. And it will lift up your countenance. Because the Bible says, you are the shield around me. You're my glory. You're the one who lifts up my head. He will lift up your head. When you're going through things, you tend to slouch and put your head down. And, but God will lift up your head. Lift up your countenance. Lift up your head because your God will raise you up. He will pick you up out of the miry clay. He will set your feet upon a rock, that rock being Jesus. And he will let you continue on your path. You may be seated. Thank you. God is good. So you walk through the fire. And let me tell you, if you're walking through a fire... That's interesting because most people with the fire, it's like, oh, I'm going to go the other way, and if I have to get through this, it's going to be quick. But his word says, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you, and it won't even scorch you. See, walking is a pace in which you go when you're not in a hurry, when you're not concerned, when you're not alarmed. When you're not burdened, when you're not anxious, you just walk. We walk. We walk by faith and, amen, you guys know the word of God. And we are able to do that because we have had an opportunity with Christ by way of a divine deliverance. Divine deliverance. We belong to the Lord he protects us, he holds us, he guards us, he cares for us. You see, when you think about a fire, that's very, very uncomfortable. But in the Bible, three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were preserved. They were protected. They had peace. They were told that they could not worship God. 
And they're like, our God is mightier than any edict that's going to come across this land. We will worship God. They worshiped God. They refused to bow to an idol. They were sent to a hot, fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar, and he was so scared and concerned. The next day, they opened up the fiery furnace, and they were expecting to find ashes or something scorched. You know, ladies, when we curl our hair, sometimes we scorch it. It's like, huh, oh, smell that, okay. They were expecting to smell burnt hair, burnt flesh, smoke, something. But in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, they opened that furnace and they looked in and the faithfulness of God was clear to everybody in there because he said, look, I put three men down in that furnace. I see four men in that furnace. They are, not only are they in the furnace, they're walking around in the fire. They're unbound, they're unharmed, and that fourth one, ooh, he looks like the son of God. He's gonna be with you when it's hot. He's going to be with you in the fire. He's going to be with you through the flood. He's going to make dry ground for you. And no matter what your circumstance is, you are going to be unharmed by the will of God, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. We cannot be afraid when we know that God is with us. God is looking out for every single one of your interests. Because what? No weapon formed against us. Amen. Give me, I love that you guys know the Word of God. Praise God. You see, He would not have created you. And He would not have formed you. And then He would not have redeemed you. He would not have called you. And He would not have saved you unless he had intended to finish his work in each and every one of us, and he does. Therefore, we are not unworthy. We are not untouchable by a mighty, holy God. In his eyes, we are worthy of being touchable. Praise God. See, we think we're being punished when we go through situations that are uncomfortable. But God says, no, I've got a divine, devoted love for you. We think we can't handle situations because things can get hard. But God says, no, I've got a divine direction of hope for you. Well, then, Lord, I guess I'm just not worthy. God says, no, I've got divine deliverance to bring you peace. And I want peace for each and every one of you. Bow your heads where you are right now, please. If you're in a circumstance or situation that's just incredibly uncomfortable, if you're in a circumstance or situation that you think is petty, it's still bothering you, if you're at a circumstance or situation where <laughs> you're at your no way, 
Let me tell you something. God's creating a testimony in you. God's creating a testimony for you to declare his goodness and his love. For you to declare his capability. And for you to go, oh, I can't believe he did that. I want you to know that there isn't anyone in here that doesn't have an individual relationship and an individual calling by way of the Lord. He's called each and every one of us. He's named each and every one of us. You are valuable and you are important to the kingdom of God. If people have put you down in your life, it's because God is raising you up. If you're in a situation that's difficult, whether it's financial, whether it's drugs, whether it's immorality, Maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. Maybe you got a bad report from the car mechanic. It doesn't matter what it is. It's your problem. It's your situation, and it hurts. And it's affecting you, and it's bothering you, and you, and you, and you want God to help you. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I need you. I understand that you love me. I just need to feel that love. I just want to experience that love. And I need you, Lord. I need your divine intervention in my life. I need your protection. I need your direction. And more than anything, Lord, I want to thank you in advance for your deliverance. Because I believe in Jesus. And I believe the word of God that you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Change me today, God, so that I can believe in you tomorrow. In Jesus' name, stand with me. God is good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I serve a mighty God. I serve an awesome God. And I know there are circumstances that we can go through that are not, not comfortable. I've, I've gone through divorce. I've, I've lost my only child. I've lost both my parents, my mom just recently. But I tell you, in all the things that I've gone through, I've always looked up and I've never looked down. And I realize that when I look up, I see him looking at me. I never look up and think, well, are you, can you see me now? God is a good God, and he cares for each and every one of us. And I want to play a prayer covering and a blessing over each and every one of you. I pray that the God of hope will restore your joy and your peace, and that he will lift up your countenance, and that he will give you the confidence that he is able, capable, and wanting and willing to bless you and bring you through to the other side, for you to have the courage to leave your Egypt and let God take control of your life. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Good night.